Wise Turtle Speaks is a series of offerings merging philosophy, physics, math, biology, psychology, sociology, education, art, politics, and even love together. We will explore the patterns of our consciousness as it moves through space and time and use those patterns to better understand and solve our problems in all four dimensions of the universe. Namaste! So some people I see wondering, actually most people, or at least a large percentage of people, humans specifically, I hear wondering, so with all of these summits and, and institutions and policy innovators and politicians and organizations and everything, with all of these supposedly brilliant people, especially scientists and, uh, and you know, deep thinkers, why on earth can't we solve our problems? What's the problem? What's the problem with us solving problems? Uh, you know, we have, we have brilliant scientists working on, you know, climate change uh, questions, global climate change, warming, whatever you want to call it. You know, we have brilliant people working on uh, artificial intelligence. And while certainly things are getting better, you know, there's still huge numbers of people out there, you know, worried about robot overlords and putting humans out of work, quote, work, um, as if that wasn't the goal. I mean, the goal, of course, is to make us not have to do the stupid jobs that, you know, we all hate. I mean, why wouldn't we want to be laid off from, you know, manufacturing jobs? Um, you know, that, that's the goal is to have a society that's free to pursue their dreams, not, you know, be stuck picking up garbage and making hamburgers and, you know, and welding car parts together mundanely every day, the same thing over and over again, you know, why would we want to stay robots? Um, but anyway, so back to the original question, what is the problem with us not being able to solve our problems? With all these brilliant minds out there and all these scientists and politicians and negotiators working together, you know, at the, the Davos and, you know, the uh, COP21 or whatever it was in Paris, the climate change thing. And, you know, and, and certainly we have been getting better on some of these things. And there, you know, there are some things, some beneficial things coming out, but it's it's very slow moving and... And the fact that we're still asking the same questions over and over and over again and having the same problems uh, for, you know, decades at a time, if not centuries and millennia. Um, with all these brilliant people, why can't we get a solution like that? Well, the problem is we're putting the wrong people in the problem-solving slots. We're giving these these problem-solving jobs to the kinds of people who aren't good at problem-solving, or at least not these kinds of problems. Everyone is good at solving some problem. 
um, or at least, you know, better at solving some problem than other people. Uh, you know, we each have our own unique talents and skills and interests and, and knowledge and background and training and whatnot. I mean, you know, there there are there are things that a giraffe can do that a cat can't, and there are things that cats can do that giraffes can't. You know, that's that's pretty obvious. And with humans, we are obviously not quite as diverse, you know, physically. Um, but mentally, we are possibly far more diverse than any other species, you know, as far as our, our not just our intellectual capabilities has a much wider range. Um, I mean, we have human beings with, with very low intellectual capacity, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, it seems, but, you know, the, there are there are benefits also to having a a simpler mind, a brain that doesn't work on the complex level as well, can actually focus on some of the simpler things more easily, possibly, uh, which can be a benefit. You know, there, there are reasons why drinking alcohol can make people more creative because it represses the, the repression <laughs> part of the brain. You know, it turns off the, the judgmental, uh, over super ego kind of overly controlling part of the brain. You know, and then that makes the brain, parts of the brain flow more smoothly and allows certain things to happen that couldn't happen if the higher functioning parts of the brain uh, were working. So, you know, in, in, every, in every individual, there is some benefit to whatever they have, whatever combination of things that they have going for, on for them, inside them, um, allows for a certain ability to shine, let's say. However, we are terrible, it seems, at guiding people into the right place. Uh, you know, we say we want to put people in their place. You know, when, when someone does something, quote, out of line, we want to put people in their place. Um, of course, we use that phrase in a, in a very negative, rude, cruel, harmful way. Um, but in a healthier way, uh, I mean, this is what we really mean is that person was not suited to whatever that job was that they were trying to do. Um, you know, f for example, um, <laughs> let's say Donald Trump, because everyone wants to talk about Donald Trump these days. Uh, one way or another, he is quite disruptive and he's, he's doing something different that is making people pay attention, which, uh, again... Here's a good example of he's the wrong person for the job, but he's possibly a better person than the other people who we've been putting in these jobs. Uh, so the candidates for president in the past have, for the most part, been rather uninteresting and lackluster and uninspiring and... Uh, you know, not not the type of person that people really want to see as leaders um, on the whole. Um, I mean, obviously, certain portions, certain percentages have said, especially for some of the more popular presidential candidates and senatorial candidates and so on, um, gubernatorial candidates, there's certainly always going to be a segment of people who are enthusiastic about them. Um for one reason or another, 
most likely because they are like them. They represent them as individuals. You know, they're similar enough to them that, that they can say, oh, they're like me and I want someone who, you know, has my best interests at heart um, or at least seems to have my best interest at heart. But on the whole, as a collection of society, individuals in our human society, uh, no one has ever been inspiring to everyone. No one has ever been, you know, a good, a good leader for our society as a whole, which is why democracy doesn't work, which is why this whole idea of winner-take-all voter systems uh, is basically mob rule. And uh, just doesn't work. I mean, people say, "Oh, it's it doesn't it's the it's terrible, but it's the best system we have." Well, no, it's not. It's not the best system we ever we we have. It's it's the least bad of the mainstream systems that we have tried on a large scale, um, intentionally, I should say. Um, but the best system that actually works is the, is the system that we have that runs everything else that isn't our mainstream pop culture government human system. It's the system of nature, uh, which is not a democracy. It is not a top-down system where uh, a small group of individuals get power and get to tell everyone else what to do and what they can't do. Um, so this is a good example. Trump is a good example of he is a better candidate for inspiring change um, than the most of the pre previous candidates, but he's still not the person for the job. He is not the person to lead our society, our human society, and certainly anybody else, you know, uh, any of the other individual earthlings on the planet, you know, the, the the chickadee that's tweeting outside the window, although there are no chickadees today because it's snowing um, mid-March in Maine because, well, it's Maine and climate change is doing a little funny things, although it's still Maine and, you know, it hasn't been known to snow in Maine in March. Um, but anyway, all the other individual earthlings on the planet, you know, the animals and the vegetables and the minerals of all the other things that are around, um, certainly probably would not agree that Trump is a good individual for the job of uh, making leader-like decisions. So, and none of the other candidates are either. I mean, if apparently there was a poll done, and this does not surprise me in the least, that said that two-thirds of the potential human voters in the United States um, don't like any candidate. They would prefer anyone, but any of the people who are running uh, or who were running, um, these people are just not the right individuals for the job. Now, I'm going to tell you the four different possible approaches for problem solving. And all of these will work in certain circumstances. And each of us individuals, especially humans, um, have one of these four primary problem-solving tactics as our sort of basic personality, our basic go-to solution um, that we naturally are inclined to. I mean, we're, we're most of us are capable of all of them at some point or another. Um, that's why we have complex 
brains that have, you know, multifunctioning parts. We have, you know, the, the very basic parts, and then we have more complicated parts, and then we have more complicated parts, and then we have the really complicated parts for, you know, very large-scale, uh, long-term problems and uh, puzzles that we can we can contemplate for a long time and come up with solutions over, you know, multiple multiple areas of problems and combine them. So with humans, we can have all four of these, um, but we still naturally are inclined to one or another um, throughout our lives. We tend to be directed to one or another, and that's part of our personality. That's part of our, our core self. Um, so I'm going to describe these four, four different basic approaches to problem solving. And the very first one is is the possibly the saddest one of all, which is give up. Just give up. Um, it's hopeless. I can't do it. There's no way. And that is uh, the, the approach of um, of looking at coming to a challenge coming to a problem coming to something standing between you and your goals and saying there's nothing I can do about it I'm just gonna retreat back to where I came from I'm gonna go back to the the lesser of two evils and uh and just go back to what I know and you know as they say that the the devils you know are better than the devils you don't know. So, you know, let's just stick with what we know and and give up on our goals. Dreams are overrated, right? So these are the, the sort of... I don't want to call them passive, but they're, um, they're, they're sort of anti-passive. They're sort of aggressively non-aggressive, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Uh, and... Obviously, that's not going to get us very far, but it also doesn't get us very far, you know, off course. It, it, it's a solution. It's an emergency tactic that functions uh, when things are just too overwhelming and there's nothing we can do. And the only option we have is to go back to what we know and tough it out with whatever crappy stuff we'd been dealing with already. Um, okay, the second option is the, the aggressive attack. Uh, this is the, you know, the, the aggressive, well, this is Trump, right? This is the aggressive uh, sport jock, um, outgoing politician type, whatever, um, that just goes on the offensive and, plows through whatever, you know, shoot first, ask questions later, you know, just, uh, just kind of destructively bulldozes through any problem, any, any obstacle, uh, not caring what, what happens, not caring what the, the consequences are of that down the road, just, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, make this work, damn it, I'm going to win at any costs. And uh, 
you know, the costs quite often outweigh the the benefits of the short-term win. But in an emergency situation, again, this this can work. Um, quite literally, <clears throat> you know, if you're if you're uh, if you're running through the woods and there are brambles in your way um, and there's a bear chasing you or a tiger chasing you or something something that you actually might be able to outrun uh, possibly not a tiger because they probably could outrun you but you know something that's lumbering and, and large uh, you might be able to run through a, a small thicket of of brambles and just kind of plow through while it tears at your your clothes and your skin and you know rips up your rips up your uh, you know delicate skin um, so that later on you're going to be hurting but you might have fully escaped whatever large lumbering object it was that was chasing after you um so you know temporarily certainly the the plowing through offensive attack uh, aggressive approach can work. Um, but it's not ideal because, again, the consequences, the side effects uh, of the destructive approach can harm you in the long term. The third option for the tendency that we can have to approaching an obstacle in our way between us and our goals is sort of quiet hope. Um, this is what I am a master at, I should say. Uh, the it's it's not entirely passive, but it's certainly not uh, aggressive either. It is it is somewhere in between. It is the sort of neutral, waited out. Um, I'm just gonna stand here and wait for something new to happen. Wait for an opportunity to appear a, a hole in the fabric of the, the obstacle in my way. You know, the, there's a saying uh, that, uh, of course, the only constant is change. Um, and it is especially appropriate for today in Maine, which um, the, the, the snow, the several inches of snow, in fact, uh, and they say in New England, if you don't like the weather, wait a minute, because uh, it's so variable. And so that is the the hope, wait and hope, um, the wait for an opportunity to appear a better a better chance that this obstacle in your way will you know wander off somewhere else. Or, you know, suddenly have a change of mindset or just become or, or, you know, you could find a new solution. You know, I could sit here and wait and eventually come up with an idea. Um, and so, you know, that is another opportunity, another option for problem solving. And again, in, in certain circumstances, it works fine. Um, it is, is quite useful and possibly the, the best option um, when otherwise there's a, an impossible obstacle in front of us. Um, but going back is also uh, a, just a, not an impossibility, but certainly a, a worse possibility than just waiting it out.
you know, this snow will go away. You know, it'll melt in a day or two. And then I can go back and get on my bicycle and go somewhere. I just might not be able to do it today or tomorrow, um, which is frustrating. But, you know, it's uh, but but giving up hope entirely would just be silly because I know for a fact that this there's a hundred percent chance that at some point this snow will melt, even if I have to wait, you know, hundred years, eventually it will melt. Um, and I don't think it'll be that long. So patient hoping is another option. Now, these first three options are what you might call the uh, fight, flight, or freeze options. Um, I didn't say that up front, but that's what they are. That is what our our bodies and brains are designed to do by biology, by evolution, by nature, whatever you want to call it, by God, by science, physics, whatever, chemistry. Um, these are the three possible sort of negative reactions when there just isn't a good solution at the moment that we're aware of. Um, those are the three sort of negative solutions. Basically, the the retreat, the runaway, the flight, the which is the first one, the uh, aggressive fight, plowing through, um, destroy everything in your path in order to get to where you're going. Uh, the second one, and then the third one is the sort of freeze, wait, hope for the best. Don't retreat. Don't aggressively move forward. Just just kind of neutrally hang out there and eventually something will change. Now, the positive, this is the fourth option, and this is the only positive solution to problem solving, which a handful of individuals are more likely to fall into than others. Um... And that is the, uh, there's an, a great word for this, probably because our society is so focused on uh, negative solutions, because um, most of us tend to do this. But there are a small group of individuals who naturally, instinctively have a positive approach to solutions, to problem solving, to finding obstacles in their way, which they think of more as challenges. And... Um, I have listed this right now so far as what I call creative collaboration or curiosity and ingenuity um, or the ask questions option. Um, and this is the, the um, approach of seeing the obstacle as an individual with its own goals, uh, with its own needs and desires for what it wants to do, whether this is an animal, vegetable, mineral, whatever, there's there, this, this thing that is standing between uh, us and our goals. Um, it, it has goals of its own, um, whatever it is, whether it's a rock or a tree or a politician or a legal system or whatever. There are goals that, um, that this obstacle has. And when we recognize that, when we acknowledge that there are this other individual thing, obstacle, whatever, uh, you know, is like us in some way. Um, 
and just different from us in another way, but not entirely different from us, then we can connect to it in some way. We can ask it questions. We can ask this person, place, or thing, um, what does it want? Where is it going? What does it what are its ideals for where it will be in the future? And once we ask that and then combine that with our goals, we can start brainstorming, we can start looking for creative solutions that, you know, no one has ever thought of before, or at least the individuals involved have never thought of before. Um, and that's the, the innovation and curiosity combined to, you know, what if we did this? Or, you know, what if we did that? Or, hey, I have a great idea. Let's try this. Um, how does this work for you? And then eventually, you know, with some perseverance and with some continued curiosity and ingenuity and question asking, um, creativity and collaboration, we get to Eureka! You know, this actually might work. Let's go for it. And, um, you know, going through the whole process of, of problem solving that's not just, you know, <laughs> that's not just addressing one problem, but it's addressing all of the problems collaboratively and meeting all of the needs of all of the individuals involved so that there is a win-win solution. Um, now, even individuals who naturally are inclined to this are, as I mentioned, you know, somewhat few and far between, but in human beings, they certainly do exist. There are certainly individuals out there who are incredibly creative, incredibly curious, inquisitive about what every individual involved wants, you know, what are the challenges and what are the, the outcomes that individuals are hoping for um, on a personal level, on an individual level, again, person, place, or thing, not just, you know, what does this, what does this rock want to do? You know, what are its properties? Where is it, where does it settle in its natural state um, so that we can work with those properties? So, these people see the, these things as, as complex challenges that can be, you know, worked with. And there are individuals out there, certainly, who do this. Um, I tend to say that someone like Buckminster Fuller is an excellent example of this. Now, I never quite know exactly what sort of personality Buckminster Fuller was, because I don't, I'm not aware of him on too deep a level. Um, but he definitely had that that innovative, curious approach that said, you know, no no problem is unsolvable. And um, there are certainly other human beings out there who are like this. I mean, you, you look at the at the um, at the, the the moonshot program back in the '60s. You know, they they decided someone decided uh, that you know we could do this, and it wasn't. John F. Kennedy. He didn't decide we could do this. It was some people at NASA. It was some, you know, scientists or, or astronauts or, you know, pie in the sky dreamers who said, uh, you know, we can do this. This is possible. It's very difficult. There are a lot of, you know, obstacles in the way for us to be able to get to the moon from here to there. Our goal is to get to the moon, but we can do it. There is a good chance that, you know, 
we can overcome most, if not all, of these obstacles. And the ones we can't overcome, obviously, will be dangerous. I mean, there was a little bit more plowing through and aggressive approaches than, obviously, <laughs> were necessary. Um, you know, and, and some human beings did die. You know, it was a little premature and they didn't check everything. And, and there was an explosion in one of the, the pre, pre-flight tests and there were astronauts who died. Um, so there was a bit more aggressive approach than, than the wide-eyed, you know, creative collaboration approach. But overall, the creative approach did work. And there were human beings out there who said, we can do this. These challenges are not insurmountable. We're not going to give up. We're not going to totally just, you know, plow through and attack it as a, as a mindless, you know, destructive force. And we're not going to just sit back and wait and hope for the best. You know, we're actually going to actively work on this problem. So clearly there are human beings out there who do this. Donald Trump is not one of them. <laughs> we know this. He is the attack approach. Uh, Hillary Clinton is not one of them. She is the, I don't even know what to say what she is. She's kind of a, possibly a hope for the best or give up and retreat back to what we already know. I think she's that. I think she's the, the sort of, you know, let's not change much of anything. Let's just stick to what we know. And uh, Bernie Sanders is also kind of an attacky guy. I mean, he's a little more creative collaboration, but no, really, he's he's negating a lot of people out there and he's not winning over, you know, the Hillary Clintons of the world. And he's not, you know, his approach isn't to to work with everyone. And certainly none of the other Republicans are either. They're all either attacky or hope for the best or give up. Um most of them are, are give you uppy types who, who just want to retreat back to the way that, you know, we've been doing things for 50 years. Um, so none of the candidates out there for president in the United States are what people want to see in a leadership role because they instinctively know that the leadership role, someone who, who is, you know, going to actually work for everyone and overcome all the obstacles uh, in the best way possible, is going to be someone who is like none of these people. Some of this person is these people, these leaders that are actually going to affect change and solve our problems are going to be the weirdos, in fact. They're going to the people be the people who would never get into politics on their own um, or almost never get into politics, which is why the whole democratic system is failing. Because the people that we want to make these, these come up with these solutions, be the sort of um, the, the leaders on problem solving, are not going to be the people who are naturally inclined to go out there and compete against others for votes. It's just not in their, in their nature. That is not what they do, their goal is not to compete against others, it's to collaborate with others. Um, these, these visionaries, these innovators, these creative types, um, like the Buckminster Fullers, like the Einsteins, like the um, Elon Musks even, um, like the uh, uh, Jason Silvas out there, go look for Jason Silva, S-I-L-V-A, 
um, just go look for some of his videos and, and listen to him. Um, he, he's not going to run for politics. He's actually, he's, and a lot of people are even very annoyed. I've, I've heard an interview, a podcast interview, where he showed up late for the interview, and it was a live interview. Um, with actual other people listening at the time. It wasn't a radio show, but it was a, a, a call-in um, sort of thing that was recorded for later, but it was it was a call-in with many people on the line. And um, and this guy showed up late because he's, an, he's a, a, a visionary. He's not a by-the-book kind of person. And the person interviewing him was fully annoyed and was um, had basically given up. Um, but then the guy showed up, Jason Silver showed up, you know, in the middle, like half an hour late into the interview, uh, into the call. And, and the interviewer was just so annoyed by this. Um, and this is, this is why someone like Jason Silva or Buckminster Fuller or Elon Musk, someone let's do Elon, Elon Musk, he's a little bit more traditional, um, but the, these innovators, these visionaries, these weirdos who are outside the mainstream, they don't fit into any kind of system like uh, a mainstream political system. There's nowhere for them to fit in. So they're not going to be there, which is why I promote the, uh, the whole idea of getting rid of the political, the democratic system of voting for individuals um, and say that this is not working so Vote for my my approach is everyone for president. Write in everyone for president. When when you get that ballot, when you go to vote, if you choose to vote, just write in the word everyone, where it's the presidential candidate, the senatorial candidate, the the rep state representative, the your local representative. Just write in everyone. Your governor. Write in the word everyone. You can also write in the word no one, but I think a more positive element is nicer. You could also even write in your own name. Um, just basically don't, don't encourage this whole system of, of only people who want to compete against one another and fit into this, this, um, this very restrictive system that actually, uh, actively discourages the people who we want to be leaders, the weirdos, the visionaries, the, the innovators, the people who actually can lead us into solutions that will work for everyone. So, um, I'm going to quickly go through the, uh, the, the, these four types of visionaries, um, and there are four different types of them. I'm going to cautiously use the Myers-Briggs um, categories um, with a, a caveat emptor, uh, please be aware, cautionary warning that um, most of the most of the tests that you take out there, and most of the people analyzing uh, what the Myers Briggs categories are, are very confused and very inaccurate, or at least highly inaccurate um, in one element or another. Um, they may be very good in one element, and they may be very terrible and backwards in another element. So, if you think you're in a certain category uh, based on some some quiz you took somewhere or some, you know, reading something um, is a very, very large chance that, that that's not the category that you're in. So that's my, my big warning <laughs> there. Um, but um, in the, and if you want, I absolutely can help you um, 
if you want to contact me, I can help you find the category that you're in, or at least the a, a closer grouping of categories that you might be in. Um, because even I am not perfect at it. Even I am a little confused about sort of categorizing people, especially when it involves um, the fact that it's kind of fractal and that there's a, there's a core personality that's genetic, but there's also an environmental category. And there's also a, a, an age-related, developmental-related category um, that as you grow, you change personality, um, which is obvious to anyone, um, but it's important to remember for the MBTI as well that you will change your MBTI categories over time. Um, but you still got a core personality that, that sits in there as well. Um, so anyway, the four categories that are visionaries and innovators, and these are the people we want to be ambassadors to problem solving in grand challenges. Uh, there are the INFP, ENFP, INTP, and ENTP. And, Again, these are the weirdos. These are the sort of woo-woo types that most scientists and politicians are going to be quite surprisingly terrified of because they are so different and they are so um, sort of wide-eyed and, and um, you know, positive and enthusiastic and innovative and... They want to test the limits and they, they're, they're not worried about the small problems. So when we think of scientists and politicians and, and other sort of decision makers and the, the financial people, the economists and all of these types are not going to be able to solve these grand challenges. They're just not going to be able to do it because they're too conservative. And I don't mean conservative in a sort of Republican kind of way. I mean, conservative in a problem-solving kind of way. They're not going to want to innovate. They're not going to want to explore and ask lots of questions and, and do experimentation um, that is required for effective problem-solving. Again, we, we go back into these, these four different types of natural problem-solvers, uh, natural solutions of the fight, flight, or freeze, or creation creative collaboration. Um, and again, there are, I have to remind you that the fight, flight, or freeze does work. These, these three negative solutions can work very effectively in certain circumstances. Um, but for long-term, large problems that affect whole societies, many individuals, the, these fight, flight, or freeze responses just don't work in the long term. And we need these weirdo creative visionaries to uh, solve these problems. Now, some of you may have picked up on this little niggling thing where I said that I was, my tendency was to uh, have one of these negative solutions. Mine is the, the neutral hope, wait for an opportunity to come. And I am an, I -N, I am an INTP which is one of the four visionaries that I, I listed. So if I have a natural negative response, then I'm not one of those visionaries. Well, here's the thing. As I said, personality is fractal. So, and I also said at the very beginning that all of us have the potential to do all four of these different possible solutions, um, problem-solving tactics. 
So what's crucial is that the the part of my personality that has a tendency to go negative, uh, which is the I in the INTP, the I is the introvert. So that's a that's a, a neutral, you know, retreat type of depressive, you know, avoidant, whatever you want to call it, um, physically non-active um, tendency. Now, that's, again, just a tendency. So if I am given the right resources for me to physically feel outgoing, to physically put myself out there, then I can function as an ENTP which is a fully outgoing, creative, output type individual. So um, for those, the three visionary types, the INFP, the ENFP, and the INTP, which all have faults, which all have negative tendencies um, in some element of their, of their problem-solving approaches, if you support them in that one particular area, whether it's physical, emotional, intellectual, um, area. You can give them what they need in order to function fully as the most effective kind of problem solver, which is the ENTP. Um, and again, I'm going to warn you that, again, most of those systems out there, most of those tests, most of those individuals and organizations who are doing MBTI testing are very confused. And if, and if they say someone is an ENTP, there is a I'm going to say about a 95% chance that they are not accurately categorizing those individuals because there are very, very, very few ENTPs out there. Um, there are far fewer ENTPs out there than anyone else I've seen has projected. Um, Elon Musk is even on the borderline. Buckminster Fuller is even on the borderline of ENTP. Um, Buzz Aldrin, maybe, yes. Neil Armstrong, maybe, yes. Um, anyone who is, anyone who has actively, physically done both the intellectual problem solving and the, emo well, all three actually, the intellectual problem solving, the emotional problem solving, and the physical problem solving, the physical, you know, overcoming challenges physically, emotionally, and intellectually, to go out there and do something that no one has ever done that is truly inspiring, those are the ENTPs. And there are very few of those people out there. Um, Bucky Fuller, like I said, is on the border. He probably was an INTP. Um, I'm pretty sure. Elon Musk might even be an INTP. Um, I don't know him well enough, but he seems a little less outgoing physically than um, an ENTP would be. Um, whereas someone like Buzz Aldrin or, or Neil Armstrong, they were physically outgoing and physically up for the challenge, um, as well as emotionally and intellectually. They were very intelligent human beings. Um, so I'm like pretty sure that those are kind of the only ones I can think of. Um, so if you're not an astronaut who landed on the moon, <laughs> then you might not be an ENTP um, or... Uh, there's a pretty good chance that you're not. Anyway, um, so those are the four types that I think we we will want as leaders in our, we want to send out as ambassadors and innovators for um, solving our, our 
global grand challenges where there are just huge problems we haven't been able to solve. So whether that's global warming or climate change or whatever you're going to call it, whether that's um, war, the problems of, of, of the war, especially in the Middle East and North Korea and the, the Central America, um, especially the, like the Mexican drug cartels and so on and so forth. These problems that have been so long-term and so ingrained and so, you know, seemingly impossible uh, to overcome, um, we want to find these individuals, give them the resources they need to overcome any of their own personal challenges, um, any of their own individual, you know, problems that they they have whether in personality or you know in their environmental issues we want to give them everything they can they can use to overcome their own problems so that they can then overcome our larger problems and be leaders and innovators and those are the infps the enfps the intps and the entps and you know them by the fact that they're weirdos they don't fit into mainstream society they have bizarre ideas they're woo woo but they also have a very particular motivation to solve these problems and they're actively looking for someone to help them overcome their own personal challenges so that they can help the world overcome everyone's challenges. So look for these people, look for these people who are hiding on the edges, um, who are being unheard, who are being repressed. Find them and ask them what they need and support them. Okay? That's the thing. We don't, we don't want to continue to vote uh, into power or give power to the negative approaches, the problem solvers who are the fight, flight, or freezers, the people who want to either retreat back to what they know uh, conservatively or who want to attack and go on the offensive or who just sit around hoping for the best. Um, we want to actually find the people who are looking to actively solve problems in innovative and creative ways. Okay, I would love to hear from you and um, any ideas you have on anything or if you want to even support me in helping uh, solve some of these problems or if you want to find other people who are looking to solve these problems, these weirdos, I can maybe help you point to them. As I said, Jason Silva is someone. Um, Elon Musk is someone. Um, if you look at Buckminster Fuller, yeah, he's dead, but go read his books. Um, and see what his solutions are. Um, and the INFPs are, those are the sort of writers and um, the, the very quiet uh, therapists and counselors who generally don't put their ideas out there, but you might be able to find their books or their quiet little blogs or just meet them in person and see what they have to say and give them what they need to actually be able to overcome their, their personal inhibitions so that they can actually uh, give the whole world some solutions and be leaders and innovators. All right, I will leave you with that. Uh, you can contact me at thewiseturtle at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-W-I-S-E-T-U-R-T-L-E at gmail, G-M-A-I-L.com. You can also find me on Reddit. My username there is turl. That's my real name, T-U-R-I-L. Um, so if you go to www.reddit.com slash user, U-S-E-R, slash Turl, T-U-I-R-L.
T-U-R-I-L. Um, you can find all of my posts. And I also have some communities there that I, I organize and try to post things to. And of course, you can also find my blog, which you may or may not have found this podcast on. And my blog is um, can be found through www.turl.org. O-R-G. And that will direct you to my blog, wherever it happens to be hosted at the time. Okay, I wish you all the best and encourage you to find the job that you are most suited for. Whatever your natural approach to problem solving happens to be, again, remember all of these four approaches are useful in some situations. So find what your approach is useful for, is most effective in, and then go do that and or seek out to find the individuals and resources that can help you overcome any of your own personal negative approaches so that you may be able to have this creative positive approach. Okay, I wish you all the best, and I say namaste. Bye.